Welcome to Upshift, No Direction Network's Essence 20 podcast, where every two weeks, usually, we give you an edge <laughs> on Essence 20. I'm Ryan Costello, one of the designers of the Essence 20 system and an author on the G.I. Joe, Transformers, and My Little Pony role-playing game core rulebooks, as well as others. And I'm Jason Keeley, uh, Renegade Game Studios RPG developer. I just try to get that out uh, every single time, and I don't know why I struggle with it. I thought you were going with, like, art developer or something for a second there. Um, I feel like the word product was about to come out of my mouth, and I don't know why. Mm. Uh, RPG product developer? I could see it. It might be something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I think technically my official title is developer, comma, RPG products, possibly. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, given the name of the, uh, the, the video that we're going to talk about today, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Renegade's weird naming conventions gave you a title like that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Well, just we will be talking about Renegade Con Virtual Colon Just Wait Special Edition. A video mm-hmm. that came out a clear month after Renegade Con. Yeah. But uh, before we do that, I did mention that usually we're every two weeks. We've actually been a month without an episode. Uh, things were just kind of messy in my end. Um, and I'm going to talk about it now. But my dad went in for, uh, he was just having some shortness of breath. So we went into the hospital and they kept him for a week for tests. And then they kept him for another week for a, what was scheduled to be a triple bypass and then mm-hmm. during the operation, turned into a quintuple bypass. They added that. Oh. Yeah, they added two more bypasses to his surgery. So, yeah, it was a stressful couple of weeks mm-hmm. that, uh, it, yeah, it, it was just kind of throwing me off uh, just about in every part of my life. So sure. I am glad Makes that. Makes sense. I'm glad for two things. I'm glad I'm Canadian because anytime I was bringing up my dad's in, been in the hospital for two weeks, I have to also add, which is costing us nothing. Yeah. Thanks yeah, to yeah. our wonderful socialized Medicare program that if anyone says anything bad about it, odds are they're not Canadian because we all love this. <laughs> and, uh, honestly, my dad is the fairly cheap person. So even though mm. uh, my family is doing OK financially, if he really was considering how much uh, something like that would cost, he would probably have talked himself out of going in to see what he just thought was a little bit of a just a weird breathing problem he was having and a little anxiety, which is what, yeah. that was what tipped him over the edge. Breathing problem, he gets it. He's he's like, I don't I don't actually know my dad's age. He's like something like 70. <laughs> and I know that he's his mobility has been going down over the years, which he comments on every couple of years. So this could have just been the latest thing on a list of symptoms that he complains about aging. But the anxiety kind of threw him off and... Thankfully, because he didn't have to consider the cost of this, he actually did go in for the test, expecting to be sent home right away. Right. Uh, he didn't bring any like clothes or anything for a stay. Oh boy! Yeah. So, but then, yeah, they kept him for two weeks. He's doing better now. He's recovering. He's he's at the stage of his recovery where the things that they are telling him, you cannot do this, no matter how good you feel. He starts questioning if maybe he really is okay enough to do those things. Oh, to boy, help my yeah. mom carry some heavy things and stuff like that, like. He's at the stage where it's like, you're not better. You just feel better because you mm-hmm. haven't done any heavy lifting or heavy work <laughs> for a month. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, I'm I'm, I'm glad he's doing uh, okay now, yeah. for sure. And then the other reason that uh, we didn't record over the last couple of weeks is because I just spent a week in Cuba, which again, with my dad in the condition he was in, the surgery was like a few days before this one-week mm-hmm. trip to a tropical vacation, all-inclusive resort with my family. Mm-hmm. I I was in a weird place. I was like, I don't want to sure. go on this trip if 
when we leave, my dad's not in a great condition, but at the same time, my kids would probably really benefit from that if like the worst does come to pass and we all have some, you know, just some heavy news to process. But anyway, so luckily he was out a few days before we left. We even had a chance to go and visit him one day. Like when we should have been packing, we instead were visiting my dad. So then the night before our 6 a.m. flight, which meant like a 3 a.m. wake up call, we were packing our luggage and then we arrived and we had a lovely vacation. That's good. Are, are your folks um like close enough by that, that that going for a visit is not like hours and hours and hours? Oh right, yeah. They're uh, on a good day. They're twenty minutes. Uh, oh, they're they're like a twenty minute drive. The thing sure, is yeah. that Montreal being an island, they are off island, mm-hmm. and so there's just sometimes when you don't want to go visit them. Like you don't want to go visit them right after work because that's peak traffic hour. Sure, and yeah, it really bottlenecks on the bridge. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. I was uh, booking uh, a flight uh, just the other day, thinking about uh, uh, heading home to see my folks, actually, and um, looking at some things like, oh, do I want to? Oh, yeah. Oh, that plane leaves at 6 a.m. Do I really want that? Because that's super early. Ugh. And it I, I, turns out I'm going to, I'm, uh, they're on the East Coast. So I the flight out there is essentially like an overnight red eye situation. Mm. Um, and I was like, yeah, but, you know, it'll be less crowded at the airport hopefully you know at that point maybe the plane won't be so crowded and i'll just sort of spend the day dozing and sleeping <laughs> when i get there i don't have much to do except see them so it's not like you have a lot planned different right. from going to a, a you know island vacation paradise of course when you get there you want to be like yeah here i am want to relax or swim or something like that no if you're getting it if you just got on a 6 a.m flight because you had to and wake up at waking up at like 3 or 4 a.m yeah you might want to take a little nap yeah, well, it ends up there's basically two flights to Cuba from Montreal. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them is super early in the morning. One of them is super late in the afternoon. And mm-hmm. this is our third trip to Cuba. The first time we went super early and it was like, that was kind of a pain. Maybe next time we'll go super late. And so we did. And never again. That was that, much that was worse. worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we showed up and uh, all of the like amenities were closed. There's like the 24 hour uh, bistro that's supposed to be open. But since nobody ever goes there, they usually don't have somebody there. So we mm-hmm. showed up hungry, cranky, you know, tired, dirty, and then had to wait for someone to show up, then heat up all of the grills, everything like that. So, oh, right, yeah. Yeah, that was just, that was an awful first day, and it was nothing. Like, it, we didn't even have a day. It was just a travel day. So yeah, this yeah, one, yeah, that's... we got the worst behind us right away, and then we got in the pool like an hour after we arrived. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Well, um, I have been doing not much of anything not going anywhere or, <laughs> or or doing anything exciting the actually the um the the gi joe campaign that i'm uh started running a little Ooh. like earlier this year is going pretty well uh and it's a little ridiculous but that's fine uh for ridiculous joes <laughs> i gotta say and uh um uh you know which had a game last night so that was fun awesome have we talked much about this campaign? I can't I, even picture the players in it. I don't even think I have. Actually, it's funny. It's um, it's uh, my friend Rob uh from way back when, and then it's Eric Mona, uh, oh. Mike Webb, Mike Webb, and Jim Zub. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty. I was like, oh, oh, I, Eric had said something on Facebook about wanting to maybe try it out because you know, he's also a big into GI Joe, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, let me run something for you, and he let me, and then he started asking around, and Mike Webb from also from Paizo said, oh yeah, I'll do it, and then of course I think he's into big into GI Joe because he was showing me some stuff uh, the other night, um, uh, and 
I don't know. We just asked. He asked Jim, I guess, and it was just yeah. I'm like, oh, let me get my friend Robin here, so at least I know someone, you know, who I have more of a, a connection with than these people. But you know, it's been good. Uh, is it? It's virtual because Jim's up yeah, in Toronto, isn't he? We're doing it virtual, exactly. Yeah, okay. yeah, we're doing it virtual. Um, yeah, Mike, it's and Mike's Mike's in Indiana. My friend uh, Rob is on the East Coast, so uh, it's all virtual. I've managed to find a. Um, fan-made foundry uh vtt plugin for oh good they use it mainly for power rangers but they've added like a gi joe character sheet that that doesn't have like personal power on it or something like that so it's been fine yeah and but it mainly mainly for the uh the die rolling it's been good is this the one eric norse put together I don't remember the name of the people who put it together okay i am on a discord channel called the unofficial essence 20 foundry system and oh. it's just people putting together a foundry, you know, the, the foundry system. Yeah. I don't, I don't know foundry's terminology well enough. And they invited me in there into the development section in case they had any rules questions for when they were implementing it, if I could weigh oh, cool. in. Uh, and, and I have been, and I don't follow along super closely just because uh, development of foundry stuff yeah. is beyond me. I am very bad at virtual tables, but uh, they seem like a really like enthusiastic group of fans. And so, uh, I wouldn't cool. be surprised if you stumbled across what they've been putting together. Yeah, there was someone who like sent an email to uh, me a while back on like I know you know was it Justin uh, Franklin? You know, God dang, you know that's another thing okay. I don't remember people's names that well. It was just sort of like you know we we're not really pleased with the way Roll Twenty is doing it, and they haven't finished doing this, that, and the other thing. So we started doing this fundraiser. What what's the deal? How how can we make this be slightly more official, or can we put it out on? You know, because you can't find it if you go to the Foundry's like official um, page of like mo world modules, essentially. Okay. Um, and and uh, they w they weren't sure if they could do that or not, and I and I don't really know either because there's the whole Hasbro stuff going on too. So uh, they just kind of have it on a website somewhere else that I was able to download. Okay. Uh, you know, what? Yeah. this is something I will I'll talk to the people that are putting together the Foundry thing I'm involved in, see if they're the same people, and then sure, maybe we'll yeah. even have an episode dedicated to it. Yeah, that'd be cool. There, there. I know um, the people who I got it from have like uh, like a, a spate of Power Rangers actual play podcasts oh, cool. and shows. So I don't know if you're you're the one you're on is that that's exact same thing or not. But um, not that I've come across. They use they've been using it mainly for Power Rangers. Good for them. Yeah, good for them. Oh, you know what? Yes, I think so. Uh, GMXMG, who is in the renegade channel i'm pretty sure he has a power rangers actual play okay great so yeah i i believe it's the same one it would have been nice to know cool. that there were multiple foundry options out there but anyway yeah you're happy with it yeah it, it's good it's it's doing the job good. It's doing the job um so you know and we're doing a little bit of you know sometimes uh working with a map and sometimes not on a map you know all that stuff that's just sort of like here's just a picture of a you know here's a picture of a shark ah. uh, toy so you know what, oh, you're, what, you're, doing, you know, what you're getting into yeah yeah shark uh, uh submersible oh, that's a flying submersible well it's sure it can be both all right i think we're ready to move on to today's topic yeah. which again this is probably going to sound very similar to the last episode we just did which was also just covering a bunch of announcements uh, just a coincidence that one month between those two advancement shows on the Renegade YouTube channel, we also had a one-month yeah. break. We had a whole other topic planned, but here we are. We'll get to that.
Before we begin, although we both work for Renegade on Essence 20 in some capacity, Upshift is not associated with or produced by Renegade Game Studios, and it's not an official Essence 20 podcast. But today's topic, we're talking about the Just Wait announcements. Less than 30 days after Renegade Con Virtual 2023, Renegade Game Studios hosted Renegade Con Virtual Just Wait Special Edition. But what new news could President and Publisher Scott Gaeta and VP Sales and Marketing Sarah Erickson have to announce so soon after Renegade Con Virtual 2023? It ends up a lot. Uh, yeah. There was more announced than I expected. I know yeah. going into Renegade Con, um, at one point we were probably going to announce the uh, Field Guide to Action Adventure, which I just now realized is not on my outline. And then it was oh, yeah. decided we would hold out on that announcement. And... At one point, there was even the talk. We mostly talked about uh, Sergeant Slaughter at Renegade Con. And then at one point, they were like, maybe we'll hold on to Sergeant Slaughter too. And I'm like, so at this point, we have no G.I. Joe announcements? Like, that's not possible. So yeah, Sergeant Slaughter became the main focus of the Renegade Con one. And then a whole bunch of other stuff not related to Sergeant Slaughter was announced at Just Wait. In fact, Just Wait uh, it may have had more G.I. Joe announcements than any other Essence 20 brand. When we count the mission critical stuff and the deck building mm. game. Yeah. Or it may have just been like a lot of time was dedicated to the deck building game, the raise the flag, which is, mm-hmm. you can never tell from the virtual images. I have a feeling that's going to be a very big box because it is going to come with right. an aircraft carrier playset. Like even if you're right. assembling it, the, the, the shortest piece is still going to be very long. It's it. I, I saw that. And I was like, I had no idea that was happening and i'm like oh that is fascinating if you're gonna put it basically a bunch of like cardboard or you know or some sort of wooden not wooden the uh, the uh, paper things in there uh and then build a build a little aircraft carrier that's sort of like bonkers yeah and the first time i saw the deck building game the main box in person i was shocked this was like four times the size i thought it was and it has i think it usually has three missions in it and they said that this raise the flag one would have five missions which means that this okay. thing, even if it's not a base game, it's an expansion. It's definitely got to be larger than the deck building box, right? Maybe, maybe there's like foldable pieces of, of cardboard or whatever that, that come with it that you can punch out. I don't know. Um, I think though, if you want to make a expansion for a game, it should be the same size as the box that the core came in, or smaller. I cannot think of a single game that has an expansion larger than the base game. No, me either. It's unheard of. Yes. So so no one would ever do it. No, it'll surely be done. I mean, I guess uh, Smash Up has a game, an expansion that is just a very big box for all your Smash Up for expansions. Everything. I mean, I guess that's 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 fair. the closest thing I've ever seen. The one example yeah. I can think of. All right. Well, I've already touched on the Field Guide to Action Adventure, but I think let's go down the list of news as it was announced. Uh, and unlike last time when we were, were covering all of the board game announcements and everything non-Essence 20 related, I think we'll just focus on the RPG stuff this time. Uh, because yeah. last episode went quite long, and there's actually quite a lot of bullet points to cover in this one. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Starting with Power Rangers. So we talked about it briefly last time when we were covering Renegade Con, just because at Renegade Con, Scott uh, made a reveal that was not part of the plan, but he just wanted to talk about something <laughs> with Brian. And that is Finster's yeah. Monstermatic Cookbook. So from the product page, there will be over a hundred new threats, which that's a lot of new threats. Like that, there may be more threats in this one book than all Essence Twenty books up till this point combined. Uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, that's a good point. There's not a ton of them 
elsewhere. I thought Decepticon. I mean, the uh, the the Transformers one has a lot of Decepticons in it, but um, not. I think it's like yeah. a couple of dozen. So even with that, yeah. and Jojo has a lot of them because like there's a lot of different <laughs> versions of basic troopers. So like we fit a lot of uh, threat blocks on a few pages. But still, I don't think we're going at over 100 new threats. And it makes sense that Power Rangers, being mostly Monster of the Week, you've got all these source monsters to pull from. So so many weird monsters. <laughs> They're all so weird. It's like, what if we... Like, they start with, like, this seemingly, like, concept, like, this concept of, like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a chicken or it's a, you know, you pick an animal, right? Yeah. But then they're like, what if also he's a cowboy and he likes baseball? I'm like, oh, God, God what? What if, huh? <laughs> but then usually they pick these great names that overlaps all the yes. concepts. And it's like, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Did you start with a name and then branch out from there? Or did you actually manage to, to manage to cram all that into one name? They're just playing like boggle or something. And it's like, yeah. that's not yeah. a word, but it sounds like a Power but Rangers villain. So this, this and yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, next bullet point from the product page. Psycho Rangers can be now be used as threats or player characters. So they're being introduced as threats in... Across the stars. And across the stars, that's right. And yeah. they'll be introduced as playable characters as um as roles in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically new uh yeah, roles. Like basically the the um the psychopaths essentially is what they are known as in Power Rangers. You pick the color instead of their color, the spectrum, it's yeah. kind of like you pick the path of the of thorns and and so forth. And the path of ice, I think, is one of them. Something like that. But it's like uh uh Based on that, so the roles kind of, I, oh yeah, it's been a, it's been a bit since I've did a look at it, but I think there's, um, the, I don't think each one of them is exactly a role. I think you just sort of pick up one oh, role okay. that has these sort of like extra bits. Uh, no, no, they're all individual. I think they're all they're unique roles. Oh wow, think about it, yeah. Then yeah, that's yeah. Like Maybe the... I don't hold me on that. I could be I, I could be completely wrong. <laughs> okay, I won't hold you to that. I was going to say another essence twenty stat, but um, if it's not necessarily or one hundred percent positive, then we're not going to say it. Um, sure. But anyway, so yeah, I know that uh, Brian is a big fan of Psycho Rangers. Scott must be as well because that was the reason that he pulled Finsters onto the Renegade Con announcement, yeah. uh, just to talk about Psycho Rangers as playable characters. So again, I am very far removed from Power Rangers. But I get the impression this is a big deal. It's it's a big deal. Um, I, I, I'm I, you know I'm not much closer to Power Rangers than you are, but like this is sort of like, you know, we'll talk about something else later too. That this is a uh, kind of for Renegades Essence Twenty is uh, the year of the villain, um, mm. and right and making them uh, uh, uh play you know you know sort of bringing them in so you can play them or you know mostly sort of like we sort of always hint at that like maybe you're a redeemed version of that character right and you're with the regular power rangers and you're you know that's always a fun kind of storyline to try to 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 do if you're you know your group wants to go that route um but you know the the fact of the matter is that these are you know monsters for lack of a better word the 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 psycho rangers are not entirely human um, or even alien, you know, they're, they're genetically engineered to be evil Power Rangers, essentially. We might as well talk about it. The Cobra Codex is coming out. That was one of the announcements for yeah, G.I. Yeah. Joe, which is play as Cobra characters. And honestly, this was one of the first things that was on the slate after we developed the RPG. Uh, sorry, the, the core mm-hmm. rulebook for G.I. Joe. And I was like, yeah. is there really that much demand to play as Cobra? Like, I get more books fleshing out Cobra, but 
playable character options? Is that really what people are going to want? Uh, yes, apparently. That is one of the most yes, consistently asked for things since the core rulebook came out. People even expected to be able to play as Cobra straight out of the core rulebook. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> it is good to know that uh, this was worked on so far enough in advance that we're able to meet that demand early on. Uh, a, yeah. A Decepticon equivalent has been officially in our... It's been publicly spoken about, so I guess it's enough to say hmm. that there is a Decepticon equivalent okay. to Cobra Codex. But Cobra and the Decepticons, as like the 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 yin to G.I. Joe and Autobots Yang, like it makes sense that they are a big enough faction that they warrant having a whole hardcover book. Whereas mm -hmm. I think the Psycho Rangers are the closest thing to a Cobra or Decepticon faction equivalent. Yeah. Which is probably why uh, they're not getting a whole book dedicated to them, because it's still a much smaller number of characters. But this feels yeah. like a good place for it, because this is still, this is definitely. the book full of bad guy stuff with some player-focused options. Yeah, definitely. That makes that makes a lot of sense. All right, next bullet point. Rules for, rules for creating new threats in your game, whether or not they are Finster's creations. Uh, I am curious about this, and I don't know how much you want to go into this, but we are going to be talking about the Field Guide to Action Adventure. And mm -hmm. one of the selling points on that product is that the threat creation rules are in there. And I don't know uh, how different these ones are from that. I don't know either, to be perfectly okay, honest. Okay, fair enough. I guess I should say, did you develop Finsters? Not in its entirety. Okay. Actually, I did, I did look at all the a lot of the 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 player focused rules like the stuff we have to talk about the sort of sorcery that that and magic that gets introduced through this book. Um, oh, that's player focused. That is it's player focused and and you know yeah it, yeah it is player focused. You can grab like maybe a general perk and and get an idea to like oh this is this is how it uh, works. There's some there's some fun um like like artifact type items in this book as well um to be. Uh, like I have, I didn't look at the hundred of the hundreds of monsters. I'll say that much. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know exactly what's in there, monster wise. Um, but uh, I think that was, I think that was Ben. Uh, and but I, I, I did take a sort of a pass on the rulesy ish stuff, which, which, which should I think would include the threat. So I'm, I'm like fifty fifty on that. If that bullet point is correct or not. Oh, okay, interesting. All right. Yeah. I mean, bullet point. Every now and then a bullet point is yeah. not quite accurate. I mean, it's it's different departments. It's the marketing department, you know, they take what they understand as the, the, the selling points of these books and then they write it as marketing yeah. text. And yeah, sometimes we're not speaking the same language. And so how we interpret what they've written is a little different. Or, or, or just like you know, they're 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 working off a piece of information that might be outdated mm. or something like that. That is the you know because you know miscommunications yeah. basically. We get to talk about a fun one when we get to Cobra Codex. Sure. Yeah, we do. Uh, Sorcerer's powers, which you talked about. So it says in the bullet points. Oh yeah, for villains like Lord Zed and Rita, and then there's a giant end, which I missed. Player characters. So yes, this is player focused yeah. uh, magic options. That's cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's 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 a. I I think there's some sim some some similarity to like the stuff that's gone into the my little pony magic stuff mm -hmm. um but uh it is sort of like uh uh you know God, i can't call it, remember now I, I, if you're adding a new skill or if you're just using an old skill that uh uh there might be like a culture specialization or something like that is like okay. lets you lets you sort of cast spells basically and finally, and this, I find the most intriguing bullet point, even though it's probably not the big selling point of the book, includes recommendations for integrating miniatures from Heroes of the Grid into your role-playing game. Uh, this is the first acknowledgement of other games within one of these games, as far as I know. 
And uh, it's true when it comes to Power Rangers, like having the larger scale miniatures actually works in your favor. Yeah, I mean, you need the bigger stuff <laughs> for big, big fights. Uh, speaking of miniatures, the other announcement for Power Rangers was the Power Rangers standee pack one, which is 191 standees. Power Rangers is going big in this year. Yeah. Like there's 100 new monsters, 191 standees. Uh, the bullet, next bullet point is enhance your experience while playing Power Rangers role-playing game. Characters include uh, the characters included are well suited for the core. What are well suited for the core rulebook? A fool's errand, a glutton for punishment, and adventures in Angel Grove. Okay, now I understand. Yeah, uh, the, those those three little mini adventures, or well, mini adventures in one series. Yeah. So uh, as far as standees go, uh, if you're familiar with how Pathfinder does it, they're called pawns. It is a two-dimensional uh, printed on double side image of an NPC, a monster, whatever, and it clips into a stand and you can move it around on the battlefield. It's to scale with the miniatures that have previously been released. Uh, this is a good way to just get out hundreds of characters uh, in one, like less expensive to produce for Renegade, less expensive to purchase for the fans. Uh, so yeah, it's not as elaborate as a 3D miniature, but it gets a whole yeah. setting worth of characters on the battlefield at once. It is uh, interesting to me. I would like to see how the cardstock, uh, uh, whatever Renegade uses for their cardstock and what their bases are like, um, because doing a lot of pawns for for Paizo in, in, in my day, um, uh, find that very satisfying, uh, but also just sort of like they are a little bit un unwieldy to ha have once you've punched them out, kind of like you know, and mm. keep them organized. So uh, uh, I kept the sheets. I would punch them out and I would put them back in because yeah. basically you only need a couple of them at any given Edison. time. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, exactly. I just had a stack of boxes. Now I didn't collect every pawn set. So well, if you get a yeah. lot of them, they can be very uh, uh, unwieldy. And and I know that like, even like uh, started doing like the alien, the, the big boxes, not just the sort of like six sheets for an adventure path sort mm -hmm. of situation, like the big pawn boxes. I have way too many of those uh, <laughs> now. And there's like no way I'm going to get to use all of those monsters. Um, so uh, and and, you know, and and Paiso kind of stopped doing pawns basically pretty recently uh, yeah. because I don't think they sold super well. So I'm curious you know, if there's going to be if this is going to be like a more start on a, like a longer line of products for Renegade or just like here's a bunch of pawns and we're and we're out. You know, there will there will be evergreen pawns essentially. Right. Now, the hubbub that I heard about why Paizo stopped them is that it was the move towards virtual tabletops. It was mm, pandemic related. True. The last two years have been a bad time for at home, or last three years, for at home mm. in-person gaming. Whereas yeah. uh, it's, I think it's a better time to launch a new pawn set now that, that Renegade is doing than it was for when yeah, Paizo was sense. trying to continue the line. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. It's probably why they weren't, you know, selling super whales because people didn't need them because they just need the virtual stuff. And, you know, uh, we'll we'll see whether or not there's any kind of like virtual sets. That, oh, yeah, virtual standees. Virtual sets you can buy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the last piece of Power Rangers news is that the Across the Stars PDF, uh, like at the time of the seminar, was coming mm -hmm. soon, but actually it came out earlier this week uh, as we record yep. this which is like two weeks ago for the people that are listening to this. Um, so anyway, the Across the Stars PDF is now available to anyone who pre-ordered the hard copy. And um, uh, from what I've been seeing in the Discord server, people are super excited about it. Yeah, it's a good one. All right. It's got a lot of good space stuff in it. All right, moving on to G.I. Joe. The Cobra Codex was announced. So mm -hmm. if you remember when I was talking about Sergeant Slaughter at Renegade Con, 
I said that because we had to move some stuff around, Sergeant Slaughter was accidentally, not accidentally, but uh, like unintentionally introducing a bunch of new concepts that would mm-hmm. be previewing like the next year of new concepts that would be coming out in G.I. Joe hardcovers. Because I didn't think Cobra Codex was coming out right away. I expected this to be a November release or maybe a 2024 release. So oh. everything that I was saying that would be introduced in later books, like 90% of it is being introduced either in Cobra Codex or in the Field Guide to Action Adventure. So uh, my yeah. estimate of it being the next couple of years, way off. Yeah, yeah. I think we want to just get this one out because people, like you said, people are clamoring for it. And we have, you know, we had everything sort of almost ready to go. Um, and just sort of get it out the door, get it to people's hands by, you know, hopefully Gen Con, maybe a little bit after. Oh, okay. Uh, you know. All right, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Bullet points on the product page is new character options for Cobra characters and Joes. So uh, just to clarify on that, anything that was written, it is written mechanically compatible with G.I. Joe characters and even usually throws in some examples of like, this was written with Cobra in mind, but it actually does really fit in well with these G.I. Joe examples. We don't go into a lot of details. It's usually just a paragraph here and there being like, at the beginning of any uh, uh, any new chapter, it was saying, this will work for these types of characters, so they should be considered fine for G.I. Joe, but you will have to change the flavor because these were all written yeah. as though they were the bad guys, just like the ones in the core rule book were written for the good guys. Exactly. And, you know, like we say in the book too, like all the stuff that's in the core rule book can be used to make Cobra characters, essentially, if you want to but just change the flavor a little bit. You can still be a, a nomad, right? Yep. You know, and, and, and still, and then be in Cobra. There are new influences, or origins and focus uh it's focuses i i've really tried hard to make it just focus option but i feel like i've lost that battle and it focuses it's focuses it's not the it's focuses uh, sure all right uh yeah so you'll notice that there are no new roles that is because every role from the judge role-playing game core rulebook has two new focus options attached to it for this book uh there's yep. new equipment including poisons and toxins experimental equipment and shields shields almost made it into the judge core book uh, but that was already quite a big book as it was. Yeah. And the most iconic shield users in G.I. Joe are the Alley Vipers. So that was bumped over to Cobra Codex. So people are going to be excited about that. Uh, mutation mm-hmm. cybernetic equipment to customize your character. This ended up being a much bigger section than I originally anticipated when I had uh, added this to the outline. But uh, it works. Like Even from yeah. the early days of the G.I. Joe animated series... They're constantly mutating things and messing with DNA. I just recently watched an episode that where they cloned dinosaurs. And I was like, this, this is before Jurassic Park, even the book was written. Right. And I know they don't go into the same details, but like they do find some bones and they extract some DNA. And it was, it's just interesting that the concept was in the zeitgeist enough that it showed up in the G.I. Joe animated series, like five mm-hmm. years before the book was even written. And that episode was called Duke and the Clonosaurus. <laughs> little Simpsons reference there for you. It's a good one. Oh, and yeah. I wish I remembered the name of the actual episode, like the oh. uh, Paleolithic plot or something. I don't remember. <laughs> something alliterative. Oh, yeah. It was definitely alliterative. Uh, new resources for Game Masters. Ways to define Cobra as an organization and how each might impact your campaign. Uh, new threats and NPCs. And Pressure, an original mission for new Cobra characters. So during the panel... Scott described the adventure. He said the title of it was Live the Cobra. So this was a misunderstanding because the title of the chapter with the Cobra mission in it is Live the Cobra Adventure. And so he understood that as 
Live the Cobra is the adventure in this chapter. Live the Cobra, an adventure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, no. but yeah, there, there, there was a little bit of me too, I think just sort of translating that across uh, before having actually looked at it, making these sort of bullet points for, for, for someone to read. And that's the sort of thing we're talking about. That got into a document yeah. that I forgot about. And then Scott got his talking points from that document. Yeah. So it never got updated, that document never got updated. Yeah, so if anyone's picking up the book really excited for an adventure called Live the Cobra, I'm sorry, the adventure is called Pressure and is just about mm -hmm. the various forms of pressure that are under new Cobra recruits to perform and survive the recruitment. Uh, I, I don't want to spoil something, but actually, let me, so Ryan, let me say something to you after okay. this uh, is over about, about that adventure that I thought was uh, kind of hilarious. Oh, interesting. All right. Yeah. I will try and remember to remind you. Sure. I got a couple of things I want to talk to you about because there's also, there's a, I was just thinking about this very good piece of art that we got Ooh, for nice. Cobra Codex that I absolutely adore. Um, and it's one of, you know, I think uh, because uh, going through, uh, I, no, so, so just for the closure too, I did development from, from front to back of this and, and, and worked on the sort of the art descriptions and found out what we needed for art and, and help with the, you know, the, the organizing it into the pagination. So that uh, when it gets laid out, we, we know what it all looks like. And so I ordered this piece of art kind of in my, in my style of kind of like, this would be fun to see. I would love to see this happening. And then I got a piece back and I was like, Oh yes, I love it. All right. I'm excited for that. I, I, I'll tell you that about that. It's not, I could actually just tell it, but I'm going to, I'm going to say this one. I'm going to say it now okay because uh, it's a little bit of a spoiler. What's in the book exactly? Uh, we know you talk about sort of like uh, resources for GMs. So there's a lot of like, like in the J.I. Joe Core book, here's a bunch of locations and whatnot. So uh, there is Springfield. Yes. You, you wrote Springfield in there. You know that, right? And I ordered a piece of art for it, and I absolutely love it. <laughs> um, it's got like a uh, – it sort of looks like a 50s kind of suburban street. Uh, there's a, a lady uh, – uh, doing hedge trimming on a giant cobra symbol topiary <laughs> uh, and in behind her there are two kids kind of running around like playing with each other but they have cobra helmets like cobra trooper helmets on right and it's just like <laughs> just looks it just it looks so like almost norman rockwell except that it's cobra like is it the thing that the longer you stare at it the more you realize something's off it's pretty obvious but okay. it also you know, because that that topiary is right up front and the kids but it is sort of just they're a little bit in the background but everything else looks completely absolutely normal and that's what makes it funny to me nice yeah all right uh just going back through the bullet points so i kind of skipped over one of them is called ways to define cobra as an organization and how each might impact your campaign so uh one of the challenges of writing this book was how fun to be and how evil to be and how much mm -hmm. to make yeah. evil fun and so mm -hmm. yeah there's definitely a lot of advice in there of like here like yes they're bad guys but we kind of enjoy them like it, it's just a lot of ways to like yeah don't and evil campaigns never get as evil as you expect them to be and if you try and make them as evil as they could be it, it usually doesn't work out so there is a lot of advice in there like that's the reason that there's a lot of threats in here and there's a lot of options that are still available for a gi joe campaign uh just because yeah. i have seen evil campaigns that people lose the taste for they lose the enthusiasm for early on so I know Cobra is a very specific flavor of evil, so I think it's got more, uh, you know, more staying power than the average just like we're evil Dungeons and Dragons characters. Um, yeah. But still, I wanted to make sure that this was still a useful product, even after you get a, a Cobra campaign out of your system.
This dude, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's, there, there are Joe, you know, threats of of Joes, uh, some of the big name ones too. But also, like you said, there are some some Cobra basic threats that you can fight as Joe, uh, you know, later on. So again, if you're a GM getting this book, you can get a lot out of it, or even a player get a lot out of it for any Joe campaign. All right, continuing the releases, which are all just everything GI Joe related for the RPG is Cobra related. So we've got a new box set. Mm-hmm. Of miniatures, the G.I. Joe role-playing game, Villain Miniatures Set 1. So it's set 2 of G.I. Joe Miniatures, but it's Villain Set 1. And mm-hmm. it's uh, 12 new miniatures, uh, Baroness, Cobra Commander, Destro, Dr. Mindbender, Major Blood, Road Plague, Serpentor, uh, Storm Shadow, Tomax, Zamot, Zorana, and Zartan. So really it is like the the big names yeah. from you know any era of G.I. Joe tends to have the majority of these characters show up. Um, and you'll notice none of them are army builders. And Scott even acknowledges that just like they just announced the Power Rangers standee pack, they're looking at a G.I. Joe standee pack, and that's where the army builders will go in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be funny if they just used the exact same uh, sculpt for uh, uh, Tomax and Zayma. <laughs> just, it's the exact same mini. And there's this one's this. Well, how do you tell them apart now? Uh, but I think they actually do look uh, from, the, from the image in the video. I think they are slightly different because one of them is like going like this, and the other one is like one of them's like on his knees holding his, his yeah. gigantic pistol, and the other one's more standing up. So, yeah. yeah, you can't tell them apart. I was hoping you'd be able to put them back to back and it's the same pose but reverse. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, that, that would be funny too. But no, they gave him distinct poses. Uh, I really like Mindbender's pose, like the flare of the cape. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully they get his abs sculpted in there. Good. But will I be, like, will I do them justice if I paint them? No, I don't know. A lot of shading involved there. Yeah, got to do a lot of shading. Uh, final two products that were announced was uh, Cobra Dice and Cobra Dice Bag, which didn't get a lot of attention, and Scott was kind of acting like they had previously been announced, but I don't think they had been. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, maybe there was just not a lot to talk about. It's, it's, yeah, it's dice. dice. They're black. They're red. They've got the Cobra sigil on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're cool. All right. Uh, the Transformers role-playing game did not get anything exciting announced at this one. Uh, the time is now. PDF is now available for those who pre-ordered it. Uh, that was basically the biggest news. And uh, also, like, uh, Across the Stars, from what I've been seeing, people are very excited about the time is now. Cool, yeah, it's a fun adventure. Uh, it does the does the thing that you want in a, in a Transformers adventure, which kind of also <clears throat> does some some big you know space stuff too. You know, you get to you know, it's not just one hundred percent on Earth. You get to go go out into space and do some some of that. That's good. Uh, so I know, like when you were talking about it at Renegade Con, and then when we talked about it afterwards, it felt like mm-hmm. you were having a little trouble just summarizing it, or maybe you were worried that the 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 word time in the title set certain expectations. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't want to give away too much because oh, okay. there's a lot of surprises. I didn't want to spoil too much for people who maybe want to play it. Um, but there is, uh, you know, just because uh, there's just a lot, of, kind of a lot of stuff happens, um, and uh, a lot of it is, is quite wild. Like I said, not so much was announced for the Transformers role-playing game, and actually, that time that was dedicated for that section was used to announce the field guide to action and adventure. So. Yeah. Over the last couple of months, every now and then, Jason and I will be like, oh, there's this one <laughs> book about that. that if yeah. when we could talk about it, we can really talk about it. And that is the Field Guide to Action Adventure. Now, cross compatibility was one of our goals with Essence 20 right from the beginning. 
but I had no idea that we were actually going to have a book dedicated to it. I thought it was just, mm -hmm. if people wanted to, they could sit down, they could build a Transformers character, they can bring it to a G.I. Joe campaign and everything will work the same way and everything will be balanced. I didn't know we'd actually then have a book that says like, here's how you do it. Here's different mm -hmm. ways you can do it. Here's the different things that, well, actually let's read some of the bullet points. So source book for the crossover of Power Rangers, G.I. Joe and Transformers role-playing games, introduces new character options. So nine new influences, four origins, three factions, 10 perks and a new role. Um, which is not named here, but it was named on a slide during the seminar. It is, yeah, yeah, it is the envoy is the new role. Um, you know, the classic, it's, it's high smarts, high, even higher social. And it just felt appropriate for the field guide to action adventure, which was about, you know, negotiating different settings together. Exactly. And, um, it has three focuses. One each is sort of kind of geared to each of those three settings in a lot of ways like kind of not not 100 you know, mix them up as you want but like there's one that's definitely sort of like feels more power rangers-y than the other two and one that's you know for for talking to aliens which it might not be in your joe campaign right or it might be or it might be i'm not saying it does it can't be i said it might not be uh new ways to combine characters from power rangers gi joe and transformers uh crossover adventure to run in your campaign gm resources for creating new threats to menace your heroes New rules for GMs to implement chases, puzzles, traps, uh, or sorry, and traps into the campaign. Uh, rules and tips for running action adventure games in the Essence 20 system. So that is a lot of bullet points, and it mm -hmm. is a dense book. We crammed a lot sure. into this hardcover. It is. This was one that I, I had a major hand in. So I actually didn't mm -hmm. write as much as some of the other authors, but that's because when it was being pitched, um, I did the outline. In fact, I did the outline while we were discussing just uh, if this product could like exist. So while we were on the mm -hmm. call, I just kind of put something together, threw it at Elisa, who was in charge at the time. And she's like, yes, this was the part I was most worried about. And this outline seems really good. I'll bring <laughs> it to Scott. Uh, and then anyway, I, I had asked if I could do a development pass after all the writers have handed some things over. And I'm glad I did because there was a lot of, like there's a lot of advice sections in here and there was a lot mm -hmm. of strong author voice in it. And a lot mm -hmm. of it was contradicting each other. Like some of the sections were, mm -hmm you need your GM's permission. Like this is stuff that the GM can veto at any point. And then there was other stuff like GMs aren't even a thing. It's just another player at the table. And it's like, <laughs> boy, we need to unify the tone of this book. So well, I'm glad you did that too, because once I, when I took a look at it, it was smooth sailing. Oh, good. I didn't have to worry about much of that at all. Yeah. I, I cannot wait for people to get this book. And oh, it, it, it was exciting to work on. It was exciting to just know like on the discord and I'm watching people just theorizing about how these different books could connect and how you could run these mm -hmm. different campaigns. And I'm like, we have answers to all your questions. And I, that's an amazing feeling, even if it is like, and now I have to hold back saying it because even to imply yeah. that somewhere yeah. along the line, there will be a book that answers questions to how to cross over things gives away the whole premise of the book. That's the answer basically. Yeah. yeah. This book is being supported uh, in a number of ways, one of which is at Gen Con. It is the Worlds Collide Battle for the Multiverse multi-table special event uh, that I am writing, which uh, I am super excited mm -hmm. about that opportunity. Although, actually, originally I was supposed to be writing it, but then, uh, you know, the last month of stuff that happened in May, I had to acknowledge I cannot take all of this on my plate. And so uh, I've brought in a co-writer, which I, I would love to credit him. I need to talk to Renegade just to see, like, when can oh, I, I announce a writer that is working on a product? Because 
the sooner a writer gets their name attached to it, the sooner they can talk about it and be all excited in public. So yeah, anyway, exactly. uh, yeah, uh, I am now, I did the outlining stuff, but now I'm co-writing the actual adventure with another writer who, uh, now that I think of it, I should probably just ping him and say like, how was the last week of writing this stuff? Oh, <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. I, I will admit I wrote about 10 pages of handwritten notes in Cuba. Just that is, oh. that is how I relax on a vacation. Yeah. If I'm just sitting yeah, there, not... yeah, the girls are in the pool. My wife is just, uh, reading her book. I'm going to sit down out of the sun and just write some notes. So um, that's actually, I, I typically write my adventures by hand. I don't know why that is, but I'll do a first draft by hand and then type it up. Whereas everything else I do native to uh, Google Docs. Hmm. There you go. It, uh, just sort of semi-related to that. It only took me until uh, like, you know, 10, 12, 15 years of GMing to realize that I sometimes can't read my own handwriting. Uh, <laughs> and I've started just planning campaigns in Google Docs instead of writing them on into a notebook and then going like, or, you know, writing every character's name down when they make their characters and then going back to it later. I'm like, oh, what does that say again? Oh. Well, I mean, you've you've been playing with me in Adventurous when I have to check my notes and it's like, I, I don't know what I wrote. <laughs> I cannot read it. Even the sentences I can read make no sense just because I'm jotting them down quickly as I can while still paying yeah, attention exactly. to what's going on. And yeah, it yeah. is oh, just, and they're bullet pointed. Like it at a glance looks like I really know what I'm doing, oh, but yeah. anything closer than a glance, it is a mess. <laughs> Uh, I also I like that uh, Scott revealed the villain of Lord of Worlds Collide Battle for the Multiverse is Lord Mindwaves, and it is some kind of combination of Lord Zed, Doctor Mindbender, and Shockwave. And before I did any of the writing or any of the pitching or anything, as soon as I was asked to make a crossover adventure, the first thing I did was I need to make a single villain that is a combination of three villains from this setting, and I need the yeah. perfect name, and then everything else will fall into line. So that was the first thing that I came up with for the adventure. I was super happy with it. And just watching Scott's delight as he was like saying, oh, it's Lord Mind Waves with a capital Z. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't wait to see art of that, of that character. Oh, man. So I, I had an original um, uh, like mock-up of what I thought it would look like. And um, I was told like, no, we'd like to go another direction. So I do hope that I can one day share that mock-up because it was interesting, but I do agree that uh, going another direction is actually stronger for the whole adventure. Fair enough. And luckily okay. the art was done early enough that I sent the mock-up before I had written the part with the adventure because. Right. Yeah. Like it, it I'll, I'll just reveal. It was kind of like a Zordon tube of the three characters. And the thing was, oh, okay. Zordon does not factor into this trio of characters. So why do they look like a Zordon tube? And so now he's more, you know, more monstrous. He's got arms and legs and is moving around. And so had I had to do the tube version of the adventure and then change that, I would have had to rewrite the last act of the adventure where you're actually confronting him. So I'm glad that this was done yeah. early enough that it didn't affect yeah. anything that was written. Smart. It's good. Yeah. And I guess we can just move on to the last bit of news was that My Little Pony, the core rulebook I've got here, if it's available now-ish to those who pre-ordered. So as of this recording, not available yet but if you did uh, pre-order it then by tuesday so two days from now as of this recording sure. you will be able to read the core rule book for the my little pony role-playing game as a pdf uh i know people on discord are excited about it i know there's a lot of people that are curious about how it was implemented and especially are curious about the uh the magic system and uh yeah i yeah. hope people enjoy it 
Yeah, happy St. Patrick's Day. Have some My Little Ponies. <laughs> there, uh, what's... Anyway, there's at least one pony with a shamrock for a cutie mark, and it's I'm Lucky sure. something. I don't remember his full name. Not lucky like... O Potato. No, it's not it's that. That's not terrible, not Jason. I'm I'm not a My Little Pony writer, so there you go. That and that's why. Um. All right. So we just talked about a bunch of stuff. It went longer than I expected. Once again. At least there's lots to talk about. Yeah. Uh, anything about the just wait announcements that you want to, uh, touch on before no. we move on? I mean, a little bit again, just uh, why it's called just wait is if you were uh, concerned that there weren't a lot of transformers announcements, just wait, just wait, just wait. You'll get some more. You'll yeah, get yeah. some more of those. Yeah. Uh, this is an exciting time to be involved in essence 20. A lot of this stuff should have been spread out over the last couple of years. So the fact that, a lot of the printing delays and stuff have now been yeah. resolved. So we're a lot of it is just being crammed out in front of people all at once. And so it's exciting to go yeah. from, I cannot talk about this. I've practically forgotten some of this stuff. Like when they were talking about the field yeah. guide to action adventure and they said there were nine new influences. I wrote those influences. I forgot what those influences were. I had to go <laughs> back and read them. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So yeah, uh, these are just everything. I am just so happy people are enjoying this product and they get even more exciting stuff to get their hands on. Yeah, definitely. All right, before we wrap up, a couple of things to shout out to. I was on a panel at HarmonyCon about a month ago. Uh, this was the My Little Pony deck builder and RPG chat with Renegade Game Studios at HarmonyCon. I sat in on it with uh, Christopher Chung, who does the deck building game, and Mary Bellamy. Uh, Bellamy? Bellamy? She does art for all the Renegade My Little Pony products, as well as My Little Pony uh, comic books from, I want to say, IDW. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was fun. It was an hour-long chat with some technical difficulties, but after we got through the technical difficulties, we still got our hour. Uh, and there was a live audience there, so uh, it was cool. It was asking different questions than uh, we are used to. Different level of, like... Most of the questions were for the deck building game because it is out, mm-hmm. so it already has a built-in audience. But still, mm-hmm. uh, the questions that I was getting were different from what I'm used to. And it's really the only time I've talked about the My Little Pony role-playing game outside of something uh, like a Renegade uh, video, yeah. which, you know, will have a certain tone of, like, just pump up the product and be really happy about it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this, you know, there was always the chance for more confrontation. But no, nope. <laughs> people were happy okay. with it. I'm excited. It was a fun time. Great. Uh, this is a weird shout out, but I'm going to give a shout out to Freakonomics Radio. So this is a podcast I've been listening to for about 10 years now. And they recently put out a series on the, uh, the aviation industry, just like planes about how everyone really complains about the plane travel experience. So they crunched the numbers. They looked at like, why is it like that? Could it be better? Mm. Are people actually happier with this stuff than they think they are? And uh, the reason I'm giving a shout out to is that I just recently went on a plane for the first time in three years. And my daughters were asking a lot of questions just about planes in general. (laughs) And I was like, I have answers to all of this stuff. Thanks to Freakonomics. So it was a very informative series. And I really appreciate just in general, I appreciate how Freakonomics approaches uh, topics from an economic point of view, which I do not generally have. It is not my instinct to look at things economically. And so I appreciate the point of view that they give to me and the opportunity to answer questions for my daughters. That's good. Did, did they ask like, how does a plane fly? 
And then you're like, nobody knows. Uh, no, they were actually more okay, interested good. in like, the suitcases are just there. They're going to get lost. Or like we even saw the suitcase carrier. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, you know what? They're rarely lost. Sometimes they are delayed because they went to the wrong place. And the airports work really hard to get them to you about a day later. <laughs> Sometimes they just, yeah, go to the wrong place, it's yeah. just, which is a shame. But not as often as you think. And definitely not as often as no. people complain about. Exactly. And uh, my last shout out is uh, No Direction Podcasts. About a month ago, some No Direction podcasts were uh, scheduled to return, uh, both of which got delayed for different reasons. Uh, but mm -hmm. No Direction Prime, our flagship, the main No Direction podcast, has a new co-host replacing one of the replacement ones who unfortunately had to pull out after, uh, you know, some personal issues. Mm -hmm. That I have now listened to the first episode of the New No Direction podcast. I liked Ooh. it very much. I have to look at the schedule, move some things around to uh, find a good day to release it on. Uh, um, but then after that, like in the next couple of weeks, a new episode of No Direction is coming out for the first time in a long time, other than some specials that we put out. And it'll mm -hmm. be every two weeks going forward from there, uh, as well as Legend Lore, which was uh, Lauren Sieg and uh, Luis Loza. They were mm -hmm. doing a uh, like a deep dive into a single topic based on Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Uh, Luis had to back out. Jessica Redekop is the new co-host. And I told them that I would edit their podcast. That podcast, that first episode of the podcast is ready to be edited and has been sitting in my queue again for about a month. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So both of those podcasts are going to be returning soon. They will both be returning in the month of March. And uh, it, it's nice. It's nice that No Direction will have the No Direction podcast back. It'll have a new renewed focus on Pathfinder 2nd Edition, which, you know, Pathfinder is what brought No Direction to the dance. I guess mm -hmm. 3.5 Dungeons & Dragons did technically. But uh, we've been definitely lacking in Pathfinder 2nd Edition content unintentionally and it's nice to have it back cool um so, uh, speaking of pathfinder second edition if i may you may uh plug something that the uh, the second volume of gatewalkers the sort of most recent uh three volume uh pathfinder second edition adventure path was written by me you're truly and it is out now um and i think uh you should go get it <laughs> for those who don't know what's the uh the main pitch of gatewalkers oh. Gatewalkers is the sort of X-Files-ish uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition. The player characters are are uh, involved in some missing time that they're exploring. They have a patron who's like, go check this out. What's going on? Uh, uh, go check out some weird stuff. And it does a lot of like, I don't want to spoil too much, but like, you know, the first volume does like all this sort of portal travel and then second line of the one i wrote has a lot of just sort of weird uh ghosts and stuff like that and then you know and then the third volume goes uh to the crown of the world i think so um it's uh yeah it's got a lot of a lot of interesting stuff it's sort of people i think people have called it sort of like strange aeons too but it's not hmm. really because it's not lovecraftian at all um, at least not nothing that is from Lovecraft or the Cthulhu mythos. It's maybe have a, something you might see some stuff that's vaguely tentacly, of course. Yeah. But um, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I had a, I had a great time writing that one. It's called "They Watch the Stars." Uh, is the title of the second volume, um, and it has a fun ghost pirate in it that I like. Vaguely tentacly. Yeah, he might, he's not tentacly, but there's some other tentacle stuff for sure. Nice. This is an adventure path that I'm considering just reading for the joy of reading it. All right, go for it. Yeah. All right. All right. Until next time, if you'd like to know more about No Direction, sorry, about Upshift and the different podcasts on the No Direction Network, you can go to nodirectionpodcast.com. 
I would like to thank our patrons. If you would like to be a patron, a patron for the network to support us putting out these products, as well as the, um, the, the blogs that we put out on a regular basis at nodirectionpodcast.com. You can go to patreon.com slash nodirection. And thank you to Word Burglar for letting us use Letters from Snake Eyes version 4, volume 4. I still have not confirmed <laughs> which one it is. Letters from Snake Eyes V4. You can find out more at wordburglar.com. Until then, I'm Ryan Costello. And I'm Jason Keeley. See you in two weeks for the next episode of Upshift. Obra! I was not expecting that one. Nice choice. Uh, well, why not? I thought it was uh, thematically. It is. Collective spreading across the globe. I was ready to lock and load with flash, grand slam, clutch, zap, and rock and roll. Hawk, steal a grunt, breaker, and short fuse. And before I knew, I gained a whole lot more to lose.